Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, our firm foundation. Amen. Well, this Sunday does mark our last Sunday, as we've talked about in our sermon series that we've been working through, the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians, and we've sought to understand better what was going on in the churches in Corinth and some of the problems that were arising there. And we've heard the Apostle Paul proclaim to them over and over again the foundation we have in Jesus Christ, as well as the unity we have in Jesus, the power of God we have in Jesus, which is the word of the cross, as well as the wisdom of God, which is Jesus, that is wiser than any wisdom we could ever have. And so my prayer as we conclude this series here today is is that just as there are more than these three chapters, these first three chapters of 1 Corinthians, that there is also more to our Christian lives than than simply understanding our foundation. The foundation is important, but that we are seeking to continue to then build upon that foundation, which is exactly what we are talking about today, God's foundation of growth in Jesus. And we'll hear about how true godly growth is is all about Jesus and, and its growth in our own lives, our own lives of, of faith as we seek to follow him, as well as growth in Christ's church, in the church. Now, Paul starts uh, chapter 3 with a metaphor. So if you do have your Bibles with you today, I'd invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and, and there you'll see him talking about this. And And I would say anyone who's raised or who has helped raise or who has even just been around small children can appreciate this metaphor that Paul uses. Paul starts this chapter by comparing the Corinthians to infants, infants who need to mature, who need to experience growth. And you can tell by the way that Paul is talking to the Corinthians that the growth of a Christian is not only expected, but should be inevitable. Paul writes, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Now, we've spent some time talking about the the culture and climate that the Christians in Corinth were coming from. It was a pagan society with very secular ways. So when they were converted from their old ways to the new, to Christianity, they weren't spontaneously going to be mature or spiritual, as Paul says. They weren't going to be ready for every single bit of information and teaching that has to do with the Christian faith. They weren't going to yet uh, live and act as mature Christians. They needed time. They were truly infants in Christ when Paul first met them. And so Paul says he fed them with milk, not solid food, for they were not ready for it. All that is normal and expected. If someone is new to the church or new to the faith, it's not wrong to take things slowly or just one step at a time. We shouldn't feel pressure to be super Christians right away when we're just learning what it means to follow Christ. And all of us here today are at different points in the path of our following Christ, the way that that God has made us, and, and that's okay. But you see, for the Corinthians, that wasn't their problem. The problem was that at this point that Paul was now writing them, years after he first visited them, that they were still acting like brand new infants. A baby is cute, but an older child or even an adult acting like a baby (laughs) is not so cute. Paul says in verse 2, 
I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? The jealousy and strife which had invaded the church in Corinth was tearing them apart. They were pitting different camps against each other. The Paul followers versus the Apollos followers versus the Peter followers versus the Christ followers. But these weren't for noble or theological reasons. Rather, it was because each wanted his or her own way. They each wanted just a little more honor, a little more control, a little more prestige than the others. All the while, nothing resembling the church or the work of the church was going on. They were acting like infants. And all along, it was the gospel, the faithful proclamation of Jesus Christ that was suffering. Which is why Paul then clears the air and sets things straight. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Paul is saying, Apollos or me or anyone else, we're just put here by the Lord. We only do the work that God has given us to do, but it's God who gave you and who grew your faith. And so Paul goes on, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. You see, the problem that the Corinthians were facing was that they had taken their eyes off of their true foundation. They had taken their eyes off of God, off of Jesus Christ. And so they started to only look to themselves. Their attitude was, it's my way or the highway, which only resulted in tearing down the body of Christ, not building it up. And so Paul is comparing them to children and to a field and to a building project. And there's something that children and fields and building projects all have in common. They all require progress and growth. And God is the one who gives us that growth. Now, human sin and dysfunction can stunt or even uh, tear down the growth that God gives. But let's be clear, only God grows us in our faith. And so it comes back to, it all comes back to, what is it we are building our lives upon? And Paul says, which has been our theme verse all along, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, the first and most important component of any true and godly growth in our spiritual lives is making sure we have the right foundation. And our foundation is not us, nor is it any other human being. It's not our wisdom. It's not our power. No, the only thing that will survive judgment on the last day as it's tested by fire, Paul says, is the growth that occurs in our lives founded upon Jesus, which only comes from the holy blood shed for us for the forgiveness of all of our sins. So then what does that foundation of growth look like in our lives? 
There are two ways that I'd like us to consider uh, growth that God gives today. We're going to talk about two things. It's first, growth in our own lives, in our own walks of faith, as well as the growth that we see in the church and in a church specifically. But let's first start with the growth that is in our lives. As we know, all of these foundations uh, that we've been talking about in this series whether that's unity, whether that's power, whether that's the cross, all of these foundations is built upon the one true foundation, Jesus Christ. If we are a building, Jesus is the foundation. If we are a field, Jesus is the soil and the seed. If we are a body, then Jesus is the heart and the head and the life. And so without Jesus, we first must recognize that we would be dead and lifeless. And that's exactly how we were before Jesus came to us. Paul writes elsewhere in the book of Ephesians, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And it's by grace you have been saved. God's grace, through Jesus, infused into our lives true Life, when we on our own could only be dead in our sins. And so you see, the the soil which was barren and lifeless, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, is now, that soil is now rich and lively. The foundation, which had previously only been crumbled and dilapidated with sin, is now, on account of Christ, strong and sure. And you, each of you, have this foundation. It's a free gift given by God that you were given in Christ in your baptism. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to prove prove to God you deserve it. You didn't have to sacrifice for it. No, God changed you in his grace from sinful and dead to forgiven and alive. And that happened when he connected you to Jesus in the waters of baptism. But your baptism is not the end of your faith story. Because remember, we shouldn't expect to stay in the same place where we begin. And I'm not saying that we need something other than baptism to receive saving faith. No, that is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. But you see, God then builds upon our baptism, our baptismal living. Our firm foundation in Jesus doesn't change. The good soil doesn't change. But a building project doesn't remain the same as its foundation, just as a plant doesn't remain the same as its seed. They are expected to grow. And the same is true in our lives. Jesus and the assurance of our eternal life doesn't change. Our justification before God doesn't change. That is always a free gift that's been given once for all by God's grace. But that is our starting point in our lives here on earth. In that grace, God continues to grow us in our sanctified lives, our, our lives of living as God's children here on earth. We have been saved. There's nothing that we need to do to to add to that. We don't need to add to that by our love or service. God doesn't need our help. We are saved by grace through faith. But you know who does need our love and service? Our family and our friends and our neighbors. They need 
our love and service. So we, we do so, not in order to be saved, but because we have been saved. And so as we are doing that, as we are living in our sanctified lives, we are growing then in our faith. To stay in one spot in our walk of faith, to assume that God is good where we are, right where we are, and that we don't need to to do anything else to learn. What that does is it opens us up to sinful vulnerabilities in our lives. To stay uh, motionless uh, is is to be open to, to sin and temptation. The Christians in Corinth succumbed to jealousy and strife, Paul says. They were not loving and serving one another. And Paul calls that being merely human. But Paul, you see, was calling them to more in life. He was calling them to grow in their faith, to live as the spiritual people that God made them to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. I teach both my confirmation kids in class as well as really any new member that when they complete the specific time of of instruction that they have and are welcomed gladly into the life of the church, that that moment in time, that confirmation, shouldn't be looked at as a finish line or a, a graduation, like I'm done now with all that I need to do. No, it should be viewed as a starting point or a checkpoint in this marathon of life. Our Christian goal isn't simply to to be a member at a church, to, to be at a point where we're just paying our dues and we have a name on a roster. That's how some people sadly view their Christian life. And, and that's such a sad and shallow depiction of what our life with Jesus is and what our life with others is supposed to be. As we heard in our gospel reading today, Jesus' continuation of, of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is showing us that growth in our life happens in all of our thoughts and our words and our deeds. God is calling us to pattern our lives after his ways, after his good law. And we heard in our Old Testament reading, which was Moses speaking to the people of Israel, that God's law is his commandments are they are life. They are good, not death and evil. And so walking in God's ways is walking and growing in a life that is vibrant and blessed. Of course, after hearing both our Old Testament as well as our gospel reading, we hear and think how that law is a bar that is set quite high in life. In fact, it's a bar of perfect life. And we realize quite quickly that there's no way that we could keep it. We can never keep God's law because we are sinners. But you see, recognizing that, recognizing that God's way is good, but that we fall short of that good life, is actually an important component of our Christian growth. Because here's the thing about growing in our lives of love and service. It is never something that we can accomplish on our own. Our sin gets in the way of us even wanting what is best for ourselves. Our sin gets in the way between us and God and our relationship with him. And our sin gets in the way between us and others and our relationship with them. Which is why we not only cherish the good law of God as his good and precious will for our lives, his plan for our lives, but we also simultaneously cherish the gospel of God. The good news that when we fall short, and we will, that we are forgiven by Jesus of all of our sin. 
You see, our Christian growth depends on recognizing this, that we are seeking to love God and love our neighbor, but that as we do so, we will always need the forgiveness that Jesus gives. Some people will look at their their sin and their constant falling short of the law as as somehow discouraging, as evidence that they aren't somehow growing in their faith. And while it's true, we are called upon to mature as Christians, to continue to gain godly wisdom and to grow in our sanctified lives. It's also true that there will never be a time this side of heaven when we won't always need forgiveness. And that's why God gives us his church. That's why God says here is where my forgiveness may be freely found in all of my means of grace, in my word, in my baptism, in my supper, which are all conduits of grace, delivering it directly to you so that you may always be full of forgiveness and life. And what we find is that as we are connected to that forgiveness, we are always growing and maturing, and being with God and with others. For those who attended the theological conference last weekend, you heard how, um, how, we, how it is we build an ethic of Bible reading in our lives, and that's a, that's a good thing to do. And, and you see, that's an example. That's just one way that we as Christians are invited by God to, to be rooted in, to be grounded in, to be founded in all of the gifts that he has prepared for us because he knows we need them. And so when we are rooted in his word, for example, or when we are rooted in his church, in his means of grace, we can't help but mature and grow in our faith, which doesn't mean that we're always going to be perfect, No, instead it means that we are learning more and more how to rely upon the one who is perfect for us. You see, sadly, on the flip side of this, the person who does know all about God's gifts, who knows about his his word and his baptism and his supper, but the person doesn't receive them, doesn't desire them, willfully neglects them, well, that's like a building choosing not to have a foundation. Or it's like a plant choosing not to have a soil or a child choosing to remain an infant. They will not grow and they are putting themselves at risk of collapsing all together. Instead, we who are recipients of his grace and love give thanks to God for all of his gifts, receiving them regularly, being here at church regularly, and inviting those we know who have wandered further away to return to the place where God grows us each individually in our lives of faith. Because his means of grace, his word and sacrament, is how God nourishes us and delivers to us his life. And what we'll find is that as God's people, as we grow, well, then so does his church. And so that brings us to our second point here today, the growth of God's church. Because we know the church is not a building, uh, it's the people. Often when we think of the church, we may be tempted to think of church as a building or church as an institution, and, and those are meanings of church, but the church itself, God's body, the body of Christ, is, are the people. 
But if we start to think of it just in terms of institutional thoughts, then we automatically jump to, to when we think about the growth of a church, we automatically jump to a growth in numbers. Where we fixate on the number of people sitting in a sanctuary or the number of people who are on a roster. And so growth in our mind very quickly becomes synonymous with just numbers. And so in an era that we're living in now, like we are, uh, of numerical decline of the Western church, which is the reality, what that can lead us to, and, and we get stuck in nervous contemplations and just constant hand-wringing because we don't see as many people sitting here that we think ought to be here. Now, from a human perspective, I get it. I get why we associate growth with numbers. And, and it does have something to do with that, but that's not the primary focus. Now, it would be amazing if our sanctuary were brimming with people every week, just clamoring to hear more and more about God's love for them. And, and we should be praying that that happens. We should never stop praying for more people to, to come attend church with us. But if numbers were all that growth were about, we see then we could very crudely go and entice people to come to come in here, uh, perhaps with false teachings, uh, giving itching ears what they want to hear. Or we could even just pay people to be here on a Sunday if numbers were all that it, all that mattered. But of course, none of us would say that that's true godly growth, would we? Our church should be concerned about Growth. After all, it's tempting to just coast as a congregation, just like it's easy to coast in our lives as Christians. But just as individual Christians aren't supposed to be content with coasting in our lives of faith, well, then God's church isn't content with that either. But you see, true growth always has to be first and foremost about the faithful proclamation of Jesus Christ. Because then and only then do we have anything to offer anyone in our community. We reach out with the faithful proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We reach out to our families. We reach out to our friend groups, to our community. We reach out with the love of Jesus in any and every way possible. At Christ our King, we often talk about the four W's. And so we see how this fits in here. When, when we are receiving faithfully the word and are able to then faithfully proclaim it, and we give thanks that, that God has also given us his means of grace in worship, and so we are nourished by those means, and that continually strengthens our faith, then we may go out and be all about his work and his witness in our lives. Last week, Pastor Tom talked about true godly wisdom as we have that foundation in Jesus. And so we're asking ourselves, are we willing to share this wisdom? Are we willing not to let the fear of the world or, or fear of looking foolish in the eyes of others stop us? If we truly believe that Jesus died and rose again for us, and we believe that to be critical for our lives here on earth as well as our eternal lives, are we telling our family and our friends and our neighbors? And I know many of you are. I've heard your stories, and praise be to God. And I pray that we all are. And so as we do, we realize that, that as we're sharing Jesus with others, we may be called to plant a seed for the first time. Maybe we're being called to just water a seed that's already planted. But here's some good news for you. you are, there's one thing you are not responsible for. You are not responsible for the growth of that seed. You see, and, and that's good news. It takes a burden 
off of us, a burden that we would never be able to accomplish anyway, because as Paul says, God is the one who gives the growth of faith. He is responsible for true godly growth of our lives, of his church, of the body of Christ. Now, we all have a part in that process. Evangelism, that is literally the the sharing of good news, that is not just something reserved for pastors or for our evangelism board. That is something we all do in our everyday lives. And so the growth of the church does involve each and every One of us, it starts with you, it starts with your family, it starts with your children, with your grandchildren, it starts with your next door neighbor, it starts with your your cashier at your grocery store. But again, remember this, that, that godly growth is not only about numbers of people. God is also interested in his church growing together, which means we come together as a family of faith as regularly as we can, celebrating word and sacrament together, having good Christian fellowship. Our Lenten season is coming up soon, which is just another opportunity for us to be together, spending extra time in God's good gifts. And a congregation is a group of people who have committed to one another and have committed to the Lord that we are willing to give of ourselves, of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, as each has received from the Lord. There is so much that Christ our King does and is poised to do. And because God has you here, then you are part of that. And so that will reflect your own personal growth, how God calls you to faithfully steward all that he has given you. But you see, that also affects the growth of our church. The two go hand in hand. As God's people grow, so does his church. So as we grow together at Christ our King, we pray that God will allow us to grow in numbers too. But that isn't our primary focus. We simply pray that as we listen to God and we do as he asks us to do, whether that's planting, whether that's watering, that he will be the one who provides the growth, as he knows is best. God is always taking care of his church. He he provides for us the firm foundation of growth in Jesus. And so as we conclude this series today, we remember that in our lives and in our eternal lives, we do have that firm foundation of Jesus Christ. And as we live, and as we move, and as we have our being, there is no better gift than we could possibly have been given than the firm foundation in Jesus, in his name. Amen. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ, our firm foundation. Amen.